0: You're listening to So Money, everyone. It's Friday, episode 560, Ask Farnoosh Time, and I am up and at it, ladies and gentlemen. Had my baby, all is well, back at it, back at work, sort of, working from home. And Sophia has been keeping the place all tidy and ship-shape. Sophia, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to be practicing my vocal cords again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It was it's good to take a rest because not just because I, you know, birthed a baby, but <laughs> for those of you who've been listening consistently, you probably noticed my voice was getting very coarse and a sound like I had you know, a cough, but I didn't. I just, I've been using my voice, overusing my voice for the past probably two or three years. So it was good to take like a four week break. And this week I've been doing a bunch of podcasts again, and admittedly a little rusty. I've been apologizing to my guests because I've been forgetting, like my train of thought is just a little scattered right now. So it's a little bit hard to get back into the swing of things interview wise and podcast wise, but I know you guys understand, and I'm very excited to be addressing your questions now for Friday. But first, let's maybe give a little update on what's happening. At the Tarabi Dusinger household, we have now two children under the age of three. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, God bless you. Um, it's hard. you know. It's it's. I find that most of the attention needs to be given to my son who's older because he's the one who ha- is capable of throwing things and harming himself. So when he's upset, that's the one that... And, and she's crying. It's usually he's the one that needs to get comforted sooner because Colette, you know, she's, she's a a big baby. She gets hungry, but you know, she can wait an extra 30 seconds if it means making Evan not burn down the house. So it's been a juggle, but it's been fun. And, you know, lack of sleep is part of the job, but this, I will take over being nine and a half months pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. My sister-in-law actually, by the time this airs, hopefully she'll have her little bundle, but she is currently in the home stretch and she is just like, I can't carry this baby on any longer. Colette was for me also a big baby. She was eight pounds, eleven ounces when she was born, bigger than her bro. So she is a healthy, God bless her, you know, just healthy, happy baby. For the most part, she gets her she has her moments of colic, but we're all 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 together. I think we're we're hanging in there and if you guys have any advice for me <laughs> as a new mom of two, I'm I welcome your in your advice. And you know, you can of course send me a question to ask Farnoosh, but you can also sprinkle in some parenting advice as well and we'll uh we'll appreciate it. <laughs> so how have you been doing, Sophia? All uh, alone?
1: I've been well. Of- I was gonna say it's great to hear your voice. I've obviously been keeping up with the podcast, so to everybody else it feels like you haven't left, but I've oh, yeah, noticed. definitely. <laughs> I've so, noticed it, that it's I, been quiet.
0: <laughs> I owe you a huge thanks, you know, because it's why I was able to basically be off the radar for so long. I mean, you've been keeping the show running and Without a hitch. And, you know, for those of you who may not even know, I was out having a baby, that's what I was, that's what's <laughs> happening behind the scenes. And waking up now to these questions that you've compiled for us, Sophia, we're happy to know that a lot of you are using the speak pipe feature. So we're getting your voices heard and we'll be using a lot of them in this current episode. And interesting, Sophia, a lot of the questions have to do with jobs. Yes, I Job I market. That. Yes. Also timely because the Oprah issue this month, April, has to do with, my column at least, has to do with how to quit your job without having another one lined up, which is, it can be like, who does that? (laughs) But people are doing that or at least contemplating it. And the article goes into how to do it so you don't end up sleeping in your car and you have Mm -hmm. the financial wherewithal and the ability to do that. And also, you know, how to make the most of the time off so you can find that next job in good time and have it be on your terms. So that's just a tease for you to go pick up the April issue. But let's start with Alicia, or Alicia. She's got a a speak pipe question. Let's hear what she has to say.
1: Hi, Farnoosh. I was wondering what are the common fees I should watch out for when opening an IRA or brokerage account? I'd like to retire early if possible, and I'm debating between opening up a Roth or a traditional IRA or possibly a brokerage account to trade ETFs. Wondering if a five-year Roth IRA conversion is a good plan? I make seventy k a year and currently have a TSP where I'm contributing twenty five percent with a five percent match. I'm thirty two years old and have forty k in my TSP and six months in savings. I also have ten k to go into whatever type of account I decide to open,
0: and I have no debt. Thanks. All right, so not a question about jobs from Alicia, but <laughs> I promise you there will be some. So her question, Sophie, is really about her retirement account. She's really ahead of the curve. It sounds.
1: It does sound like that. But she's also worried about those fees. So what do you yeah. think?
0: So there are a number of different kinds of fees when you're talking about investment accounts. And th- I think the the ones that you really want to watch out for because you may not really realize what you're paying is the, the fees that are attached to the various funds that you're invested in. The mutual funds and et cetera. So we talk on the show a lot about the benefits to migrating away from these fee-loaded funds, for example, mutual funds with high expense ratios and transitioning to fee-free or low-fee index funds and ETFs. And whether you're investing in a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, or a brokerage account, these fee-free funds should be available to you. And the reason that these are A pain is that over time accumulated with compound interest, these fees will end up costing you quite a bit of money, especially if you're looking to invest for decades. I actually did the math and found that in my uh, brokerage account, Couple years ago, I had a lot of these no fee funds, but then I did still have, I'd say, a handful of the mutual funds that were charging me over 1% annually. And, you know, 1% doesn't seem like a ton of money, but when you do the math and you look at what that 1% is of and times 30 years, and then, you know, it compounds, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I got rid of that and replaced those with these ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, index funds that had a much much lower fee, and I hope through that process I'm saving you know tens of thousands of dollars. So that's one thing to look out for, Alicia. And if, you know, you go with a brokerage account as opposed to a Roth or a traditional account, and you open this up at you know, an online broker or whatever. Just watch out also for these trading fees. And also sometimes there's a fee to set up the account. And so there may be more fees to pay when you go to open up a traditional brokerage account as opposed to a Roth or traditional IRA. Um, And a brokerage account difference there is that, that those aren't really set up for retirement necessarily. There's no tax deduction. There's no tax benefit. They're is not also a a limit to how much you can contribute, which is the pro. People like brokerage accounts because they can contribute as much as they want. Whereas with a Roth and a traditional, you are capped annually t- as to how much you can contribute. But the trade-off with a brokerage account is that there's usually more fees associated with investing in a brokerage account. So that's her first question. And so good luck. And it sounds like you're way ahead of the curve anyway. You can't really make a wrong move here other than just making sure that you're you know, being smart about the fees, which is a really smart question that you had. And you're investing 25% in your retirement plan. Wow. I don't think I know anyone who does that at her age. You're not doing that. I'm not doing that. (laughs) But so it does sound like she'll be able to retire early just by doing that. So keep us posted. I love people who have plans to retire early. And if you end up actually doing it, you could be a guest on the show because that's who (laughs) we tend to spotlight. All right. Is that that everything she asked? I think so, right?
1: Yeah. So and we're heading into our next question, which is also another speed pipe one from Lauren. Let's hear what she has to say. Hi, Farnoosh. My question is I'm about to be 30 years old and I just got laid off from my tech startup job yesterday and I don't have much savings because I was in the process of paying off some student loan credit card debt. And I'm just wondering how unemployment's going to affect me going forward and next year's taxes, as well as I have an option to work part time, how to know how much you're going to be paid with unemployment and where to go from there and rent. How, how are you supposed to pay rent in San Francisco when you're unemployed? So it's a stressful situation, and I know I'll be okay in the long run. I'm just more concerned about the short term and getting back on my feet because they're only giving us one week payout. Thank you.
0: All right. So I'm sorry you were laid off, Lauren. Been there, and it's it's tough. I know exactly what you're going through. But the good news is, is that it sounds like you have a lot of skills. You're in California where the job market for – People in tech, last I checked, was pretty, pretty strong. And for women too, I think there needs to be more women in tech. And so hopefully you'll be able to land that next job pretty quickly. But obviously, Sophia, she's concerned, right? Because she doesn't have a ton in savings. She's looking at unemployment, not sure how that's going to impact her taxes. She also has this opportunity to work part-time, but doesn't really know if it's going to be more beneficial to do that versus just taking unemployment. So the first question she had was, how will unemployment affect her taxes next year? And all I can say about that is that you know, unemployment it varies state to state, but it is true that the IRS does consider unemployment income As income, and you have to report it, and you have to assume that you may have to pay taxes on that. So make sure that you're saving a bit of that unemployment paycheck for taxes, for tax purposes. Don't spend it all. Now, if you do end up taking this part time job, just know that the income may or may not affect whether you'll qualify for unemployment. So, according to California state law, we looked this up, you could. Earn unemployment if you have part-time work. The issue is, I think, how much are you making? You know technically, you're eligible for unemployment until you find a replacement job or a, your next full time job. So, if it's just part time and it's just a little bit of money, you have to report that. In fact, um, you know, I think if it's like most states, you'll be required to provide an update every week as far as your job search and how much money you're potentially making, um, just so that you know the state can reevaluate your unemployment benefits as you go along. So, just keep that in mind. But I think it's 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 better to be working and making some money, even if it compromises some of your unemployment benefits, because at the end of the day, you know, being active in the workforce, connecting with people, doing work, even if it's just part-time is more likely you will land a full-time job in that, through that process, as opposed to, you know, being home and collecting unemployment. And she's also concerned about rent, right, in San Francisco (laughs) while being unemployed, you know, in this is the thing, you know, you. this is why it's so important to have a savings account, some sort of emergency savings. So if she is going to go on unemployment, take that part-time job, and it's not enough to pay her rent, then she obviously needs to look for other accommodations. And maybe it means breaking her lease, moving in with a friend, going to a sublet, someplace that's a lot more inexpensive. If she can go live with family. If I don't know if she has family in the, in the region, but, you know, I think that this is really a time for her to practice austerity. And unfortunately, you know, one of the issues with not having savings when you lose your job is that you don't have this freedom to explore, right? To like take the time to actually job search and interview because you have, you have your bills, you have your rent, you have your food, you have your gas good luck with all of that. I know it's stressful and you're not going to be unemployed for too long. I just know it and you know it. So just make sure that you're cutting expenses right now that you don't need to be having, obviously, gym membership, you know, Netflix, and just make sure that if rent is going to be too much, that you talk to your landlord, maybe he can work something out with you or you have to get out of your lease and find something more affordable a friend's couch for a few weeks. You know, It ha- it happens to the best of us. I think it was Lewis Howes who was just on Ellen talking about his experience sleeping on his sister's couch. And now he's a millionaire and he was on the show. So check out Lewis Howes as well. He's very inspirational. All right. Moving on. Who is next, Sophia?
1: So our next question is another speak pipe from Lauren about her mortgage. So let's take a listen. Hi, Farnoosh. This is Lauren. And I'm looking for some specific advice on why people might be discouraging me from attempting to pay off my mortgage. My goal is financial freedom, and it's a little tough because I live in a condo, so I will always have HOA dues that need to be paid, and those may increase over time, but if I could get it paid off, I think that would be an awesome, at least mental feeling of a financial freedom, but everyone is discouraging me from this idea.
0: All right, Lauren, you know, I was having a really interesting conversation with my father last week. He was over the house and I think he's also of the camp that Sophia, it's better to have a mortgage than not. And I'm hearing I just, that
1: more and more actually. I, so I'm really interested about uh, what you have to say for this yeah.
0: question. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I think why some people advocate for maintaining your mortgage if you can afford it is that it does provide an interest tax deduction. But I'm also, like, take a step back. My feeling is like, well, you still have the mortgage payment. (laughs) It's not like your interest tax deduction is going to outweigh the mortgage payment. You know, it's like you have to pay to save. And that's never been something that I really agreed with. I feel like if you have the capacity to pay down your mortgage, pay it off... And this is additionally, as Lauren talks about, something that is weighing on her mentally, then you should do it. And if it's not going to take from any other aspect of your life, like paying down your mortgage is not going to make it impossible to continue living your life the way you've been living your life. In fact, maybe it's going to give you a richer life because you'll have that savings every month that you're not giving to the bank. Then why wouldn't you do it? Maybe there's more to this. If there is people, please tell me. But I just look at this very simply. You know, what's more is that as you approach retirement, and I'm not sure how old Lauren is, I don't know if she's approaching retirement, but if she is, this is definitely something to be doing. You want to be reducing your debt, downsizing, reducing your financial commitments as you age, because cash is king in retirement. Having cash flow, having income Not having these really big bills is going to be a huge weightlifter in retirement. And imagine also in your 20s, 30s, 40s, it's going to be a huge financial weightlift. And like if her goal is financial freedom, I mean, I think this is a a way to accomplish it, assuming everything else fits. You know, assuming that, like I said, this isn't going to be to her detriment, that actually she'll have money left to play with. And, you know, some people would even say that not having that mortgage payment is helpful because you can take that monthly payment that you were putting, say, towards the mortgage and putting it in retirement, having it grow, accumulate interest in a brokerage account, in your IRA, whatever, investing that money in the stock market over 20 years could be more beneficial to you than you know, paying off a mortgage. So Lauren, financially, I think if you can cut it, that's one thing that's a positive. And then also if this is going to be mentally healing for you, that's another pro, and, and why I think you should do it. So that's my take. Again, I understand where people are coming from. It's a great tax deduction, and if your interest rate's really low, it's like you know what's the big what's the big deal? But as Lauren points out, it's it's a psychologically can be a really big issue for people. And money is not just dollars and cents and numbers on a spreadsheet. It really impacts your emotional well-being. And if this is something that's going to help you heal in that department, then I don't see why you wouldn't want to do it. So that's my take. Andrew is next, right? And he has also a voice question or is it, did he write in? Yes. It's a speak type question. Oh, cool. Okay. Andrew, (laughs) take it away. Hi, Farnoosh. My name is Andrew. My question has to do with student loans. Should I get a balance transfer card in order to pay for some of my student loan debt and take advantage of the 0% interest rate for the opening period. Currently, my credit score is in the 700s and I have $29,905 in student loan debt. My next payment is due on July 2018 because I've continuously paid over the amount that I need to and ahead. Right now, I take in roughly $3,600 a month from my current job and on the side, I take in around $5,000 per year from coaching. Thanks. So what do you
1: think? Should he get a balance transfer to get rid of some of that student loan debt? Well,
0: maybe. So he's seems like he's in a really great financial place in the sense that he's, he's earning money. He's got the side income of $5,000 a year. He's already overpaid. That makes me think that he's not in a financially dire state. He's looking for more flexibility. He's looking to maybe save some money on interest. He's not like the kind of borrower who is headed for default or needs to remodify the mortgage. He just wants some, uh, maybe some additional breathing room. And that's a, obviously something that a 0% APR interest rate card can afford you. But the caveat to that is that these cards offer their 0%. APR interest rate for a limited time frame. So usually 12, 15, maybe 18 months. So if he can pay off this debt within that time frame of 12 to 18 months, hmm, okay, then wow, he saved a lot of money on interest and he's now debt free at the end of the term, of the 0% term. The catch is, you know, after that 12, 15, 18 months, the interest rate skyrockets to I'm willing to bet far more than what his actual loan interest rate is on those student loans. So he just has to be aware of that. And if he's going to make the most of that transition of that balance transfer, he needs to do the dirty work within that 12 to 18 months, pay it off. Otherwise, I would just say, kind of create your own refinancing, you know, kind of a DIY refi, which is that you take this extra income that you're making through the side hustle and applying it towards the principal of this student loan, this $29,000. And you can do this over the course of a few years, you'd probably be debt-free, assuming you're making your other payments on time as well. So you know, it just depends on how quickly he can get out of debt and wants to get out of debt. If he can do it very quickly and use his 0% interest rate card to do it, then do it. But if he knows that he's going to need more time, then I would just say, Kind of recalibrate his budget, take this side income, apply it towards the principal and just the principal, not interest in principal. You're going to knock down that debt a lot faster that way. And then call us back with an update because I think you're going to be really happy with the results. And if you want to be more aggressive, you could look for other ways to cut back, you know, in your spending. But it sounds like you're making this nice chunk of change on the side from coaching. You use it for the student loans. And I think you'll be out of debt a lot faster that way. That's my that's my feeling. I mean, when I was in his situation, I had just about $29,000 in student loan debt, funny enough, and I used my side hustle money and then ultimately my book advance to pay off the debt once and for all. And some people thought that was unnecessary because they said, well, the interest rate on the debt was only like 2%. But it, let me tell you, going back to Lauren's point, it was psychologically awesome mentally, emotionally, it felt so great to like just never have to deal with a lender, a student loan lender, to never have to get that bill, to never have to pay that monthly bill every every single month. And it just felt really I felt like an adult. I felt like a real adult. I felt like my adulthood officially started. So for all that, maybe it is better to, you know, stay the course, Andrew, and use that income to pay off your debt more aggressively. All right. And we have time now for One more question. And this is a written in question. This I know. (laughs) It's about jobs.
1: Yes. So it comes from Heather. And I think she's asking on behalf of her husband. So her husband recently lost his job. But fortunately, he's had two interviews. And she doesn't want to disclose the names of the companies. So she's going to refer to them in her question as company A and B. Mm -hmm. so company a made an offer with five days to respond and right now he's going to accept it because they're not really in a financial position where they should decline and it seems like a great company offering a great opportunity but meanwhile he also has an interview scheduled with company b that he really does want to follow through with and Mm -hmm. so he's going to see if he can push the start date with company a her husband really likes the company culture at company b And so if they extended an offer, that 100% would be his first choice. But he doesn't want to decline the offer from company A if company B doesn't end up working out. So she wants to know what all of your thoughts are.
0: Did everyone catch that? I did. I mean, you did a very nice job of laying that out. Thank you. And it sounds very similar to the whole preschool application process in New York, <laughs> which I've just, I've just finished. You get into your second choice school and you hear about it early, but then your first choice school hasn't got back to you yet, but your deposits do and blah, 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 blah. Oh, it never ends. <laughs> so I will just give you a story quickly. Uh, a friend of mine was in a, an exact same situation. It was actually my... Cousin in law, and he accepted the job at Company A because, like Heather's husband, it was the one that was more readily available. And they made an offer, and it wasn't terrible. And he took it, but he still continued to interview with Company B, and Company B eventually offered him a job. And it was a better commute. He loved the culture more, so he accepted the offer at Company B. Meanwhile, he was like in working at Company A, and the, it was this first week on the job, and he quit. So he's happy, but let me tell you, don't ever go back to company A for anything. That's something that you're going to have to be okay with. You're burning a bridge there, a big bridge. I mean, that's think about it. You're a company that is onboarding a new employee. There's a lot of time, investment, commitment. You've now taken the job post off the web. You're no longer looking for a candidate. And maybe it had taken you six months to get this offer on the table and now that employee is leaving. So that is extremely annoying, but also can be costly for the company. Now they have to go back to basically from scratch. You have to start from scratch to find somebody. Or maybe they'll go back through the pile and find their second favorite candidate. But at the end of the day, you've done them a disservice. You've done yourself a service. You've done them a disservice. So that's going to be something that you'll just have to accept and that's just what happens sometimes in life, and I, I'm, you know, I always talk about you have to you have to look out for yourself. No one cares more about your happiness, your well being, your, you know, and you don't owe companies anything because look, they can fire you. They could have fired him in the first week as well, just as he would have given them the notice that he wanted to leave. So there's always that. Don't always don't feel terrible, but just know that that is not something that it, you're not going to be able to go back to this well ever again. And if you do, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> so he could just continue to play this game, you know, like my cousin-in-law did. And it could work out. He could get the offer from B. You'll just have to go back to company A with the honest truth. And I don't think it should be something like, I can't tell you why. You just you should just tell them, you know, that unexpectedly you got an offer from this other company. It's better pay. It's just talk it up. So it it seems like a no-brainer or like you, ha- you just have to leave. What Heather's husband could also do as another option is before accepting the offer at company A, call company B and say, look, I've got this other offer. Can you push up our interview? Can you push up, if you want me, can you just make me an offer now so that I can you know, have two jobs to compare at the same time? And it's not going to be like you're burning a bridge with company A. You're, you're actually still exploring your options, but you need to know where company B stands sooner than later. You know, that could be a risk, it could backfire. They could say, "Well, if you've already got this job offer, we are not willing to move as quickly, so good luck." So there's that. But, you know, he only knows he knows more than I do obviously about the the sort of the circumstances and maybe he can read their temperaments, but that's another way that he could get out of this a little bit more painlessly, you know, just to be able to have those two offers in hand at the same time. Meanwhile, maybe also ask company A for an extension, but call company B right away and say, you've got this other offer. You're their first choice. You want to make it happen at company B. How can we accelerate the process? Because if you get the offer, you're coming, you're, you're starting work ASAP. So good luck, Heather's husband and if you have any other follow-up questions, please, you know where to find us. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for making my comeback so fun. And the questions, as always, very, very smart. I have a very smart audience. It's really a privilege to be able to, to you know, have a podcast audience like Ours. Sophia, thank you so much. Of course, great to have you back. It's good to be back, and hopefully, I'll be back in the office soon. I'm working from home for the time being, but looking forward to getting back into the swing of things and hearing more from everybody. And the podcast is doing really well, right? Tell me, yes. tell me it's doing well. It is.
1: It's doing very well.
0: <laughs> we are growing in subscribers. We're growing in audience and downloads, and I believe as I can say because it should be done by the time you hear this podcast we have a new website we have an updated somoneypodcast.com and updated tv. so if you haven't checked out the sites please do give us your feedback we want to make sure that it's working for you and that it's easy to navigate so please let us know your thoughts on that as well go to tv or somoneypodcast.com they're intertwined and leave us a note there and we'll talk to you next friday thanks everyone and i hope your weekend is so money